Hey, welcome Pelicans fans to another edition of the Protecting Nest podcast. We got a special guest for you today. We got Brian Bianami. He is a media free agent with plans for the future. You're going to hear about that. We're going to hear about the latest NBA news, some Zion lawsuit questions, because that always comes up. And I ain't really the biggest fan of the Saints. The last few years, I ain't really been keeping up. And I always see your tweets tweeted out and people agreeing that, you know, you know what you're talking about. So I got a few questions and we're going to let the people hear from you. So how you doing today, man? How the people who- doing well, brother. I mean, you know, it, it's a, a you know good sunny day here in NOLA hot, of course. But uh, all things, you know, equal, man, it, it's pretty good outside right now. So I'm enjoying the NOLA weather, just, you know, trying to get out and about and uh, get back to normal after COVID. Man, th- trying to get things back to normal is tough right now. I mean, people really don't know how to go about acting. They don't know if they wear a face mask. If they don't wear a face mask, are they making people mad? And I'd be remiss if if I didn't lead off with, I guess, the Saints situation with Davis and Cam. They they trying to do positive. People didn't really come at Drew all that positive when he, he, he first issued his statements. And I wanted to get your opinions on that. Just because, again, I'd be remiss. It's That's the biggest issue today is actually getting changed that matters, not getting the games going, but actually getting changed that matters for the people to play the game, watch the game, live the game. And even if they ain't part of the game, it's just life. Life needs to get better before we get back to sports. And, you know, like I said, I just wanted to get your word on that. Yeah, no doubt, man. I think right now for, for the Saints, they're at a bit of a crossroads, if you will. This is the first time in the Sean Payton, Drew Brees, I guess, era that they face internal situations that are going on to where it could break the locker room in half. You know, at, at with Bounty Gate, very, very different considering that, you know, these guys were, you know, kind of united in the idea that we did nothing wrong. You know, it was basically, you know, guys taking what we were doing and flipping it and making it seem like it was a bigger issue than what it was. For this, it's definitely a situation that could have broken the locker room for good, to be honest with you, considering that Brees comes out, he makes his comments. And to be honest, we all know Drew Brees is not a racist, but he definitely was willfully ignorant and, of course, tone deaf at, at the magnitude of the situation. I think now that he's had a chance to speak with you know some of his teammates, he's kind of realized the error of his ways and the idea that sometimes just doing enough isn't enough, if you will. And it's the idea that Drew thought in his mind, well, if I just raise my kids to kind of see past color, you know, if I do the right things as far as helping out in the community, then that's enough. And it's actually not, because to be honest with you, for lack of a better way of saying this, our situation as African Americans in this country aren't going to change because we scream, we yell, we, you know, we, 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 we march, we ask for justice. It's not going to happen. It's going to happen when white Americans decide that they're, you know, they've had enough of seeing African Americans basically be, you know, get treated as inferior inferior humans and i think at that moment it was drew Brees' almost obligation to step up and maybe voice his opinion on the right side of history instead drew kind of slipped up and you know he's tried so men's for it well you mentioned that i think in my opinion it was being willfully ignorant is no longer acceptable and drew Brees found that out in the most public way possible uh would you agree with that yeah, no doubt. And I think that's the whole thing. When it comes to, you know, raising your kids, sometimes enough just isn't enough. You know, you can raise your kids to see past color, but... Uh, can you, though, can you though, if, you, if you're being willfully ignorant of certain situations, like what, what Cap's ne- really kneeling for? Like, that's an NFL situation and a political situation. That, that's in Drew Brees' wheelhouse. That's his whole lane. He couldn't have been willfully ignorant about that situation that whole time. And then raise his kids. I don't want to say he can't raise his kids. I'm not a father. I don't want to say that. You know, I hope Drew don't take that the wrong way if he listens. But 
I think you understand what I'm saying. You can't be willfully ignorant on one side and raise and do all the proper things on the other side. You just won't know what you're missing. Exactly. So it comes across as being very tone deaf, especially for a guy who's been around African-Americans his entire life. It's not like, you know, Drew just walked into a situation to where he lived in, you know, some random small town in the middle of Idaho where, you know, he's never seen a black person before. That's not Drew's upbringing. He's been, you know, around African-Americans since, you know, peewee football. So for him, it definitely comes across as tone deaf. Yeah, yeah. And not to spend too much time on it. Again, I thought that was just something we needed to touch on. And it's it's good. I think it's, it's something we need to do as a team, a community, as a nation, is start having conversations where if you don't understand or you want to say something, say something, but also understand that people might hear it differently. And you don't need to back off of what you're saying, but you at least need to understand that the way you say it may not be the way other people hear it. Yeah, no doubt about that. I think in Drew's case, he, you know, he, he should have known better. And for a split second, maybe he allowed, you know, his personal feelings to get into where what his better judgment should be. That's what I'm going to say that Drew did. Yeah, well, to hop off into just, I'll stick to sports at the moment. What do you think, and flipping it to the Pelicans, what what do you see the Pelicans doing with this whole Orlando start? Like, they just issued some new documents looking at the safety protocols, how they looking to maybe restrict people in the bubble and also give the players less time in the bubble. They wouldn't have to get there as early. No doubt about that, man. And first and foremost, I hope there is an NBA season because of right now there's a lot of talk about it possibly going awry because some of the players are voicing their opinions on the idea of whether or not they should even play and be the distraction that we all want them to be during these you know these tough times. That being said, all four, I don't care if the NBA is rigged at this point. If the NBA being rigged gets the Pelicans in the playoffs and possibly a first round matchup between the Pelicans and the Lakers, I'm all for it being rigged. Give it to me, you know, give it to me that way. I don't care if, you know, fans in Memphis or Portland or San Antonio complain. At this moment, I'm not caring about that because the NBA is all about star matchups. And Zion versus LeBron, AD versus the Pelicans, the Laker three going up against the old Lakers, Alvin Gentry versus, you know, of course, you know, the, 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 the uh, Frank Vogel. I want every bit of this. I want the, you know, the offensive guy versus the defensive guy. I want every bit of that for the NBA because, of course, especially with the NBA season being locked out a little bit because of COVID, you have to come back with a bang. You need television viewers because there won't be guys in the stands. You need that matchup. And I, whatever the NBA has to do to get it, I'm all for it. Yeah, well, if they rig that matchup, you know it's going to be rigged so LeBron and AD finally get, you know, another ring. They're they not going to rig that series so that the Pelicans knock off the Lakers, if, if it's rigged at all, you know what I'm saying? No doubt about it, and I'm fine with that as well because I, I, I want to see the Pelicans advance, no doubt. But I want to see the Pelicans in the playoffs so Zion can get that hunger because there's something about getting there. Maybe even taking the Lakers to a seven-game series if that's possible. Because as you stated, I do think it's going to be favorable calls for the Lakers in that series. But even if they win a seven-game series, I want the hunger from Zion to say, you know what, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel the feeling of losing in the playoffs ever again. And I want to see him as a man possessed. Give me Zanos anytime trying to collect the Infinity Stones, and I'm all with it. See, that's one thing I'm looking forward to if there is a season. Uh, a little bit of breaking news. I know there's been bids, you know, from, you know, Vegas had their bids up and all that. And it's all been declined. Every time the Players Association comes with a new plan, a new bid, a new way to get in there, there's always a negotiation. But it's going to be a negotiation between the players and the reps when there's no fans backing up the players, you know, wanting a call. If LeBron's in L.A. and he thinks he got fouled, the whole arena thinks he got fouled, and the refs might take that into account. If they go to Orlando, it's just going to be straight up, you know, you might as well say no blood, no foul. It, street ball rules at that point, because you won't have that whole crowd behind you, and the players are going to learn the refs might 
The refs are there too. They're in the bubble. They're going to be a little ornery. They ain't going to want to deal with that stuff. No doubt about it. I'm actually looking forward to the officials more than I probably ever have, considering exactly what you just said. The refs are going to be in that bubble. They aren't going to want to hear the players chirping at them behind every call like we see when the TV sets are on. And, of course, you know the fans are basically you know raining down on them that they suck and everything else. I'm definitely interested to see how the refs actually officiate these games because, as, you know, as we alluded to a moment ago, I do think the more favorable teams will get the calls versus anybody else, and the stars are going to get it, AD and LeBron being that. So I definitely think they're, you know, they have the advantage against a team like the Pelicans. But, I mean, I'm not lying, man. I'm wondering what would happen if all things were equal and the refs just basically swallowed the whistles and said, you know what, it is going to be street ball rules and, you, you know, made the best team win. Yeah, and I think that's the way it needs to be. And looking at the best team winning, who do you think's the best team now that AD is over in LA and we got BI, we got Josh Hart, we got Lonzo. I'm finally coming around Alonzo. I'm finally coming around Alonzo. But how do you feel about that trio? You know, I think as far as team wise, one through fifteen, if you will, I think the Pelicans have a deeper team and a better team. The problem is that the Pelicans don't have an answer for LeBron and quite frankly, I'm not sure if they have an answer for A D. On the flip side of that, AD can't guard Zion. I mean, he may be able to guard one through five, you know, when, when he's in his mode, but Zion is just a bully. And AD, as we've seen over the years, he can't play, you know, against bullies. That's what Zion is. So I think that I think the advantage is definitely advantage Lakers. It would not see me. To, it would not shock me to see the Pelicans win two games off the Lakers. No, no, it wouldn't sh- not at all. Would that be a shock? Uh, I think them winning a game seven would be a shock, but not them winning a couple games just because. You know, the team's always going to change up the, the, the strategy. And if Alvin Gentry is was an Alvin Gentry, he never started. Like, he started this season with 13-man rotations going into December. So the focus is going to be the officials, the players. In that bubble is going to be a microcosm. Everything's going to be looked at hard. The way Gentry coaches this team out the gate, I think it, it should, these eight games should factor in to the team's decision to keep him more than the last 18, 19 games with Zion, in my opinion. No, I totally agree with that. And I actually think because of the style of play that the Pelicans have, maybe, just maybe, they can catch it. I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to beat the Lakers in a seven-game series. But I do think, you know, that it actually bodes well because the Pelicans want to play that up-and-down style of basketball. It may catch the Lakers off guard because they don't play that style. They are going to want to be more methodical. And maybe you, you have a LeBron who's, you know, irrelevant to what you want to say about it being the best player in the game or not. I mean, quite frankly, he's still an older player, at, you know, for, for his, his age, I guess, in basketball years, if you will. And I think because of that, maybe just maybe the Pelicans can outrun the Lakers for, for a game or two. Well, that's the thing about the cardio. I just tweeted out, I got a story coming about it, Aaron Nelson. His hire looks so much better right now because not only is he one of the best trainers and, you know, heads of development in the league, that's why he was so sought after, but look at the logistics that the coronavirus has, you know, made him adapt to. He's had to really adapt on getting these players ready for what a season might be. And it can only go, you know, one-on-one, one ball, one coach, one trainer, one person in the weight room, like literally one person in the weight room. How do you get hyped up to do that extra lift and ain't nobody in there watching? That's something to the players, but it's also to the development team to, to design a plan to get the players ready. And you got some players like Nicola Melli, they ain't even had a goal at his apartment, so he can't shoot on a hoop. Other players, they've got a court, they can, they can kind of stay fit. So... There's a lot of, there's a wide range of fitness and cardio issues he's having to deal with. And the Pelicans making that hire is helping them out a lot. We'll see, we'll see how it plays. Because if the Lakers, they, they having team, team runs out in LA, if you believe all the reports. And the reports are some of the players on Instagram. 
So we're going to see who's in shape. We're going to see who's been ready. Who's, who, who comes out ready to play? Who's been staying in shape? But on that note, what you ready to do? Now that you're a media free agent, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in and put that in the, in the middle of the podcast. What, what you ready to do as far as your your next move covering the Saints and the Pelicans? Well, so far, uh, we do have something lined up that's going to be coming forward in the next few days. Myself and my, my co-host, uh, Nader Murphy, man. So we have something that's, that's out there. Uh, as far as personally, just me by myself, I am in the process of starting basically with what looks like to be a, a, a video, a visual podcast. Uh, it's going to be more topics being addressed than just sports, which is what I'm kind of known for at this point. So... For me personally, it's going to be a, a bit of a you know me stepping outside of the idea of just talking about sports. It's going to be uh, current you know current issues. It's going to be basically uh, you know basically a talk show, and that's what that's exactly what I'm headed for. Because uh, you know I do want to kind of step out, especially with everything going on in the world today. I think you know sometimes another voice is needed, and for me, I. I basically, you know, pride myself on being able to tell the truth about certain topics. So I, I think you guys will get a raw and cut version of that. Sports-wise, be looking out for the announcement within the coming days. You can catch me at BSPN underscore New Orleans on Twitter. Uh, and uh, you'll, you'll see the, the announcement being made very soon about what the next move is as far as uh, a sports-free agent. And if there's any stations that are out there on the Gulf Coast that are looking to hire somebody who's going to not only bring ratings, but definitely a strong opinion, I am available. Yeah, man. See, I've been making my same pitch. It's good to hear you got something going, getting something lined up. And I think you would probably join up and go to the Orlando bubble for the right price because you get to see, going back to our last question, you get to see the reps and the players at, you know, the hotel lobby buffet in the morning trying to get the continental breakfast. What about that call? You know, those sort of interactions would just to be a fly on the wall. That, that's what I'm aiming for, and it would be good to hear your voice on any of the Gulf, anywhere in the Gulf region, anywhere in the Gulf Coast. And you mentioned your Twitter. That's where we we met. I've been following your your latest Twitter, well, your latest tweets. And the Saints just signed a cornerback right after you was talking about they need some more depth at cornerback. How do you keep up with that? What do you what do you see as far as the Saints roster? How's it shaping up? the season because i mean we got to beat teddy bridgewater in carolina and we got to beat tom in tampa bay now so i mean i don't think anybody's worried about the falcons maybe you can touch on that but where do you see see that roster going now that you told us where you going yeah no doubt about it man i think for the new orleans saints quite honestly i mean you know you got to show respect to the champs of course you give kansas city all the credit in the world they're the defending champs and until somebody beats them they're still the champs so you give them credit for that they also added a nice couple of pieces in the offseason the baltimore ravens one of the teams that many people believe have a chance to win the super bowl this year but on the nfc side of it one through 53 heck even the nfl to be honest with you i don't see a team with more talent than the new orleans saints now we've known over the last couple of years that you know there have been some deficiencies in the saints you know what, what they want to do they didn't have a receiver opposite michael thomas that kind of hurt you had some injuries here and there that that bothered them and of course there have been some questionable calls that have gone against the saints and some you know fluke plays that have also helped but uh you know kind of go the opposite way for the saints instead of them being a contender you know year in and year out for the super bowl they kind of get bounced in the first round maybe the, you know the NFC championship game that being said for me, I think the Saints are basically one more player away from not having any, I mean, when I say any, I mean any holes in their team. And I think they're a pass rusher or edge rusher away right now. And I think that's the next move we'll see the Saints make. Because as you alluded to, I did mention that they were going to go for another corner and they found one at this point. So I think that's the next move for the Saints to bring in another edge rusher. And they'll be the probably the most complete team in the NFL. And all odds should point to the Saints not only being in the Super Bowl, but winning it as well. What do you think that... I mean, that's got to be a linebacker at this point, not really, right? I mean, don't they really just need a linebacker? Everybody was calling for a linebacker in the draft. What happened to that? We gra- we drafted a, a center. 
So, what did you think about that movie? Well, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't oppose to it at all because, it, you know, for for what I've been gathering, you know, from my sources inside the Saints, that the Saints were extremely unhappy with Larry Warford. You know, he came into camp out of shape. He never really applied the same, I guess, vigor and and work work ethic that he had came in with. So, because of that. Larry Wolford had fell out of favor with the Saints, and Sean Payton would, you know, pretty much have him in the doghouse often. Larry never did shake back and try to kind of get back up to speed, so that's when you saw a lot of the, the plays that they wanted to run, they would run to the opposite side because they couldn't run it to Larry's side. He was out of shape, he wasn't healthy, and he was basically getting beat. That being said, you draft the center, you move Eric McCoy over the guard, now you have a complete offensive line that's young, nasty, and of course, because of the, the smarts that they have, these guys are very versatile as well, so that's what the Saints were looking for. That's the been basically the key to the offseason. Versatility, football intelligence, that's what the Saints are looking for, that's what they went out and got. Well, if they got a real young, raw, not raw, but a young offensive line that's ready to run to the playoffs and lead them for years to come, that don't really match Drew Brees' timeline. Like, how how are they going to move on from Drew Brees? How many years, do you, I guess, do you see Drew Brees sticking around? Because they've got an offensive line that'll be either ready for Alvin Kamara to run for 1,000-yard seasons for the next five years, or they'll need a quarterback to step in and keep them in contention. Is that is that Taysom Hill? Is that Jameis Winston? Where do you see them going forward with that? Well, I think for the New Orleans Saints, man, I, I think that they're going to leave the competition open. Right now, Taysom Hill has the advantage, of course. He's been around the playbook longer. You know, he's kind of followed Drew. He knows the system. But if Taysom Hill was really, truly the guy, and I, I think we'll find out this year whether or not that's true or not, you're not going to put Taysom Hill on punt coverage. You're not going to put him out there to basically be put into a position to where he could be hurt. So I think the long-term deal kind of guarantees, you know, guarantees him some basic insurance in case anything ever happens to him. But I think the job is actually Jameis Winston's to lose. And as far as even though I said Taysom Hill has the, you know, the advantage, I think Jameis is just a better talented, you know, and I guess proven quarterback. Now, mind you, we know the turnover issues that he's had, but let's also be honest and say that Jameis has never really had the same amount of coaching as he'll get here in New Orleans. And of course, the the bottom line is too many people like to tie the Saints' window of opportunity to Drew Brees. I don't think that's the case anymore. When you look at the Saints roster and how young they are, they're a team that, as you stated, they're not made. You know, they're not built to be around a Drew Brees type. They're built to be around a Jameis Winston, a Taysom Hill, or possibly another quarterback that the Saints may have to go out and get once Brees hangs them up. I would not rule out the idea of the Saints actually trading for a quarterback next year if they don't believe that either Taysom or Jameis is the guy. Well, if we don't have college football and high school football, this will be a draft class that they don't have any tape on. So if Drew doesn't stick around for another year, they'll have to either make a move, go on them in-house, and really, I guess, expose their cards on where they've been sitting, you know, on where they really believe these guys could go. And if, if Taysom is, yeah, doing all the punt coverage and special team stuff, will that be because he asked for it, because the team wants him to do it, or because they know, hey, if he gets hurt, we got Jameis. We're, we're really not that invested in the Taysom Hill. They can get off of him pretty easily if they wanted to. He's got such high value in the league. Well, make no mistake about it. When Sean Payton comes out and he says that they believe in Taysom Hill, that's not just him blowing smoke. He really believes that. And there's, that's something that we all know about Sean that covered, the, you know, that, that covered the team religiously like we do here. It's the idea that when Sean Payton wants to prove a point, he can stubbornly want to prove that point. And I think Taysom Hill is one of those guys that he wants to stubbornly prove a point of saying, you know what, I told you guys he could be a quarterback in the NFL. So I, I think that's something that, you know worth paying attention to. The question that comes in is whether or not when Sean Payton says Taysom Hill can be a quarterback in the NFL, is he necessarily talking about the New Orleans Saints? 
And I think that's what the tricky part is because Sean is arrogant enough to tell you what he's going to do. Then he's going to dare you to stop it. But he's never, you know, outright said Taysom Hill will be the starting quarterback of the heir apparent to Drew Brees. He's never said that. When it comes to proving a point, I think we've got Bill Belichick, another head coach, stubborn, won a championship, a lot of winning seasons. He says he can win without Tom Brady. How do you think Tom Brady and the Bucks are going to, you know, shape up in this division? You see this, you said the Saints got the best roster. Who's going to be behind them pushing for maybe a wild card game, a divisional game in the Superdome once the playoffs come? You know, I, I'll say this when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they'll struggle early and then kind of find their groove right around the middle of the season. And then we have to find out whether or not Tom Brady Pardon me. If Tom Brady is that guy that that we all that we all think he is, you know, because at some point being a forty-plus-year-old quarterback is going to catch up with you. Usually, for quarter, quarterbacks like that, as we've seen with Drew Brees, the older he gets, that it usually happens later in the season. So I think what we'll see is we'll see the roller coaster ride that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They'll start off low. They, you know, they may you know hover somewhere around five hundred. They'll hit a stride to where they win a bunch of games, and then for the last quarter of the season, we'll see what they're made of. And at that point, I think they'll kind of be hit or miss. That being said, I still think they'll be somewhere around 9-7. and seven. So they'll be in some type of contention towards the end of the season, but they won't be a threat to the New Orleans Saints. I think it's the Saints' division to, to lose, and I think the Atlanta Falcons actually may be a little bit better off than what we're saying. I think they'll still end up 7-9 and nine when it's all said and done, but I think they'll, they'll be pretenders for a while and make you think they're better than what they are. Then they'll fall flat on their faces. As far as the Carolina Panthers are concerned, we'll wait till next season because I don't think they're going to get a chance to really show what they can do this season at all. All right, so you would go to Vegas and bet the under on the Buccaneers. Speaking of Vegas, you going to the Vegas game? Is that something you might be looking forward to if they allow fans? If the fans are allowed, and I'm still kind of cautiously optimistic on that part, if fans are allowed to attend away games, then I'm definitely going to be at the Vegas game. I, in fact, I have about five or six scheduled that I'll, I'll be at. The NFC teams, of course, I'm sorry, NFC South teams, of course, I'll be at those. I'll be at the Vegas game, and I'll be at the Denver game. So those are the ones I'm scheduled to appear at as of right now. Uh, that could always change, you know, subject to whether or not the NFL is going to allow fans to attend. How do, you, how do you see that shaping up? Do you think football is going to happen normally this season? Have you heard anything from the team, perhaps, that lets you know, all right, they're planning for you know, planning one way or the other? It looks like they're planning to have fans. Now, what capacity fans that's going to be, that's what I'm interested to see when it comes to the NFL. Because you have, at least for the New Orleans Saints, 70,000-plus that have to fill the dome, then you have another 70,000-plus that are on a waiting list. And with that being said, how do you determine who attends what game? Are you going to round-robin it and just say, you know what, we'll randomly pick 25,000 that can attend this game? That being said, are you also going to allow rival fans to attend the game? So I'm just interested to see what it's, what's, what it's going to come out to. But as of right now, give, you know, give the NFL credit. They haven't missed their marks as of now. You know, They thought they were going to do the draft. They found a way to do the draft. No offseason, but they're still going to do a training camp. They're talking about cutting two preseason games in order to make sure teams have an extended camp they haven't missed so far with, with their timeline so if for for my money from what i understand you know from the people i've talked to the saints are expecting there to be some type of crowd inside the superdome and see i've got a you know a couple sources that's how i got the superdome story but now we've got news of ezekiel elliott in dallas and a few other players starting to pop for the covid so training camps and stuff may they, they may start missing missing their dates do you see that sort of hiatus in football, giving the players, I guess, the same sort of power that the basketball players and, and MLB has been taking. 
but right now the, the contingency plan was to say if anything were to you know happen, much like we see right now with Ezekiel Elliott, you know, and of course the Houston Texans as well, some of their players coming up with COVID. The contingency plan was always to say if we have to, the NFL would move their games to mid to late October and start the games then. So that's the contingency plan in place so far. If it just so happens to be another outbreak of COVID, then that threatens everything when it comes to the NFL. And we could see a situation to where players just say, you know what, they're going to dig their feet in the sand and not budge and say, you know what, we're not playing because it's not safe. It's not safe for our families. And we're talking about, you know, unlike the NBA, we're talking about, you know, an organization where the NBA may have 15 guys, you know, you add some coaches, so maybe 30 guys. That's not even half an NFL roster, much less the coaching staff. So I think for the NFL, it could be a lot different to have that many people, you know, you know, in a locker room at one time and possibly spreading COVID. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see how they really stick to the plan if more players test positive. I, I don't see how that's a viable option. I don't see how they could do it even and, and maintain the public perception that they're trying to do good by whatever, you know, by giving us an entertainment option. That that just won't be in the cards. But uh, we got a few more minutes here. I want to get you off, so I don't take up too much of your Monday. But I got to ask you, how do you feel about this Zion lawsuit? I like that you're outspoken. You're going to give us your peace of mind. You're not going to worry about the legal technicalities. What's in your heart about what's up with this Zion lawsuit? It, the, the first thing that comes to mind is hell hath no fury like a woman's born. Because that's all it comes out to be. It comes out to be a bitter agent who thought she was going to have basically a golden ticket, didn't get a chance to cash it. Zion made a move with a better company. The lady, from what I understand, wasn't even a registered agent at the time. So, I mean, I think that Zion made the smarter move. And now, you know, the person that's suing him is basically just coming across as really, really bitter, thinking that I had an opportunity to do what, you know, to, to cash this golden ticket. Because if, if you were going to, you know, I guess, dime Zion out for, you know, taking improper benefits or whatever it was, could have did that beforehand, but when he was your client or when your alleged client, you didn't have anything to say about it, but you knew about it at that time. So for me, she can pack it, she can take her ball, she can go home, lock herself in the closet and cry me a river. I don't care. I don't, you know, first of all, with me and college athletes taking, you know, you, you know, improper benefits or whatever like that, I don't care. I honestly don't. So she can, you know, she can miss me with all of the nonsense about that part. I don't care if Zion got a million dollars for playing college basketball. He made Duke a hell of a lot more money than he ever got. So for me, she can cry, you know, she can cry in her cereal all she wants to. I don't care. She, you know, it's a frivolous lawsuit. And if I'm a judge, if, if, if not for the odd that it's going to be a high-profile case and I want to get my face all over the news, I would have threw the case out a long time ago. Yeah, that's where I'm at with it, too. But, I mean, go back. Shaq, Shaq is admitted. Barkley's admitted. They got paid in college. They got paid. It's been going on forever, so I don't see why, especially after the scandal of the scheme that was covered in the documentary of the scheme, I don't see why they want to go forward with it. But uh, on that end, man, we appreciate you coming on to Protect the Nest. Tell the people where to find you. Hopefully we bring you back in. You know, we're trying to grow it up. So we can, we can reach your level. We'd be all over the nation. That's what I'm saying, man. I got the checks to the mail. Don't worry about it. I appreciate the kind words. That being said, you can reach me on Twitter at BSPN underscore New Orleans. It's just like the four-letter network that you all know and love. Replace the E with the B underscore New Orleans. Here you got me, uh, you know, basically giving hot takes and hot cakes every day. All right, man. Well, take it easy. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Look forward to talking to you soon. Take care, brother. Appreciate you having me. Oh, we golden.